Welcome to the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 1, reading at verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever turning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Here ends the reading. So it's the beginning of the new year, and I thought we would try and do something a little bit different. We're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes from the Old Testament. And studying Ecclesiastes is daunting. For starters, it's a very old book written around a thousand years before Jesus was even born. It's older than the Greek philosophers, such as Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. I mean, those guys were late to the philosophical party of human history compared to the Hebrews and the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes. If we were to categorize the book, it is wisdom literature. That means it's about the practical, earthy, nitty-gritty stuff like pots and pans and pain and pleasure and purpose. The Old Testament wisdom literature includes Job, which studies the problem of evil and human suffering. Song of Songs discusses the beauty of love and pleasure. Proverbs teaches how to worship God with everything, from our finances to our friends and our family. And Ecclesiastes explores the meaning of our meaningless life. Stylistically, Ecclesiastes rambles, and it is hard to grasp and understand. I mean, life is not a math equation. It is hard to categorize and figure out, and so is this book of, about life. Ecclesiastes is also one of the only books of the Bible in which God is totally silent. It's the long monologue of one man, not a dialogue between a man and his God, as is the pretty common among the rest of the books of the Bible. The author of Ecclesiastes is simply referred to as the teacher, one who addresses a gathering of people. And that teacher is King Solomon. And the scriptures have a great deal to say about the life of Solomon. His biological his biography reads like the makings of some scandalous epic blockbuster movie. 
His father was King David, his mother Bathsheba. Remember, Bathsheba was married to another man whom David had killed to cover up his illicit adultery. God granted Solomon one wish for anything he desired. And Solomon chose wisdom, which pleased God. It really pleased God. So God blessed him also with wealth and fame. Next to Jesus, he was the wisest man who ever lived. He was a master of innumerable subjects. He wrote 3,000 proverbs, 1,000 songs, and three books of the Bible. His power was unparalleled as he reigned as king over Israel for roughly 40 years during a season of peace and prosperity in which leaders from all over the earth visited his kingdom to inquire of him. He also oversaw the construction of God's temple. That took seven years to complete. And his own palace, that took 13 years to finish. His complicated family life included 700 wives and 300 concubines, which means he could have literally eaten three meals a day, each with a different wife or concubine for roughly an entire year. Gifted and unparalleled wisdom, second only to Jesus Christ, Solomon devoted his life to answering that great question of every brooding teenage punk band member and their midlife crisis parent, what is the meaning of life? Solomon took the old saying, don't knock it if you haven't tried it, to the absurd, and he threw himself into everything life has to offer with reckless abandon serving as his very own subject in the lab of life. If you take the money of Bill Gates, the intellect of Stephen Hawking, the playboy lifestyle of Hugh Hefner morphed it all into one man who was also the Pope and the Prime Minister. That person might be Solomon. Solomon is the story of a prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Born into the affluence of his father David, Solomon departed the ways of his God to indulge his own pointless passions. The fact that he wrote Ecclesiastes indicates that he recognized the folly of his wayward ways. He returned to the Lord and he wrote an honest autobiogra- autobiography of the empty and shallow life that he discovered apart from God. Solomon sought the best that life had to offer and then realized that nothing rivals life simply lived in obedience to God. Bored and burned out at the end of his life, Solomon summed up his great life experience with one word. It appears 37, 38 times in 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes, depending on which English translation you read. The book opens and closes with the Hebrew word hebel. Hebel. The word is nearly impossible to nail down in its essential meaning. Different Bible scholars translate the word in a variety of ways. You can check all the translations. Meaningless, vanity, emptiness. Elsewhere in the scriptures, hebel refers to a vapor that is thin, fleeting, elusive, and quickly passing. 
Since life passes quickly, it must then be pursued with great urgency because the days between birth and death pass like a breath on a cold winter's morning. Hebel Our fleeting life is complex, so a complex word best describes it. Now most scholars believe that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes at the end of his life, He probably wrote Song of Songs when he was young and in love. He probably gathered Proverbs throughout his life and then wrote that. And after trashing his fleeting life and losing his first wife, he sat down as an old man to write Ecclesiastes just before picking out his casket. And looking back in the rearview mirror of life, he writes arguably the most brutally honest, painful, and helpful book ever written to young people fresh out of the starting blocks of life. If only we had this wisdom at the beginning of our adult life. While the book's emphasis on life as meaningless is dark, there's a clue not to be missed. This is the perspective of life under the sun. This phrase appears roughly 29 times in Ecclesiastes, depending on which translation you read. It means life viewed solely without a connection to God or a revelation from God. It's literally a godless life lived solely by our limited insights, gleaned solely by our experience without any word from God on the matter. And so the ancient view of life, of the world, it wasn't, it wasn't a globe. It was flat, and the earth stood on pillars, if you would. And then above the land and the sea, there was this sky. And above that... Above the sky, there shone the sun, of course, and then beyond the sun, that is the place where God dwelt. That's the picture the ancients had of what they perceived the world to be like. So this is a book talking about life lived under the sun, kind of in just that world with no kind of picture of God as part of that world. God is outside and above that world. It sounds so familiar, looking at the world purely from a perspective without God. It sounds like our day and age. So many people look at their world with no thought of its creator and its redeemer. And so for us who believe and have always lived with the idea of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're going to be studying this book as if maybe we didn't believe that. And we're going to have to put ourselves in people's shoes who didn't and don't believe in God. But we will certainly see that it's almost impossible 
because it's meaningless, this world, apart from God. So we call this a worldly view of life, life as the world sees it, not as God sees it. Our meaningless age is complicated and Ecclesiastes speaks directly to it. Don't be fooled into thinking that new is improved. Ecclesiastes is not some old book. Ecclesiastes is an eternal book. There's a vast difference between the two. An old book gets old. An eternal book never gets old. An old book is timely. An eternal book is timeless. An old book is for yesterday. An eternal book is for every day. And according to Ecclesiastes, the evolutionary chart in school, remember that? Fooled us into believing that history is a straight line going up and up and up, and we're more advanced than those primitive people who came before us. The truth, though, is that history is really a circle, a cul-de-sac to be more exact. One generation after another drives around the cul-de-sac, worshipping their idols, trying to outdo their neighbors with more sex, more stuff, more power, more information, more achievements, more fame. As fools often do, we mistake movement for progress. So the book of Ecclesiastes, in all its honesty, feels more like a punch in the gut than a kiss on the lips. It's brutally honest about some of the things that we pursue in this life. For what? When I was a Boy Scout, we took a trip into the woods to learn about nature, but also to learn how to survive if we had to. They told us about survival skills and the essentials for survival. You need food, you need air, you need water, clothing, shelter. And if, if any of you have watched Survivor Man, you also know you want to add to that list of things. You need to survive, you need hope. You need hope that things could get better, even if it's a way off in the kingdom of God. You need to know that life is not a meaningless fool's parade that ends with one final step off a cliff. And that's the message of Ecclesiastes. So thus far, Solomon has gotten our souls kind of hungry for even a morsel of hopeful good news. However, if it's not to be found here under the sun, we have to start looking elsewhere. And perhaps above the sun. Beyond the world in which we live, there is another world in which God lives. And that's where our hope comes from. Maybe he could come down, God could, and bring hope and meaning to our lives. Possibly even inviting us to join him one day in his home above the sun. It sounds familiar. Perhaps there he could reward us for all our vain efforts under the sun so that they, they were not just meaningless. But he has given meaning to everything we do in life. That would make our meaningless lives meaningful, right? So in this way, throughout Ecclesiastes, Jesus is, is revealed not through his presence, but rather through his absence. And so as we enter the season of the church year we call Epiphany, we're going to listen to the scripture readings about who Jesus is, 
Who is the baby that was born in Bethlehem? And what is his kingdom like? And why is it so important for us that we believe in him and live our lives in a deep and meaningful relationship with him? For apart from our creator and apart from our savior, apart from God above the sun, our lives under the sun are just meaningless. Amen.